Hey everyone, welcome back to the It's a Mind Game podcast. My name is Jade and today I am very excited to be introducing you to Krista, who is a registered dietitian specializing in human performance and is currently studying with the International Olympic Committee to complete the diploma in sports nutrition. Krista is an assistant instructor teaching sports nutrition while working with student athletes on campus. She also has a private practice where she often works with female athletes from recreational to professional. If that isn't enough to keep her busy, she's also the mother of three beautiful girls aged eight, five, and 18 months. Today, we are here to discuss the action steps of HR recovery and how to fuel for training as a female athlete. Welcome, Krista. Thank you, Jade. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on and we were just sort of talking about it. Before we started recording, which is we have a lot of HA recovery journeys on, um, but today's focus is more about action steps and the plans to actually help women recover from HA, which is something you're quite experienced in. So I guess the best way to jump straight into it is would you mind telling us, you know, what are the, the pinnacles of HA recovery and what are your main suggestions when women come to you to recover their period? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so individual, you know, from person to person. And I, I know that everyone knows that and you know that, but gosh, it just, I think this is such a good question. And as I was kind of reflecting on this, I really think, and I hope you can't hear all the dogs, there's dogs around. Oh, me they're welcome. Part. We love dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but when I think about pinnacles of recovery, I'm just like, you know, helping people understand their needs. Um, and I'm a dietitian, so I'm coming from a nutrition perspective, you know, and restoring needs. And like, um, that's kind of my, um, yeah, my focus and my, my perspective, but I think helping people understand their personal needs and, you know, giving them the space to kind of like process and potentially even grieve that because needs can be really different than what people, um, you know, are even are comfortable with or, used to, especially as I, you know, high performing females, um, and active women. Um, sometimes that can be a really eye-opening experience, um, just to, just to understand basic needs and just how fascinating our bodies are. And like, honestly, the great links that our bodies will go to in order to conserve energy, you know, we don't run like a machine. We like, we dim like lights, you know, and it's so, we'll do everything we can to stay high performing while our body is, you know, breaking itself down. Um, and so that's one of them, I think to me, and then, um, yeah, giving them space to, to grieve and process that. Um, and then patience and consistency, like just making sure that people stay consistent with, with, um, you know, recommendations and helping them actually be able to put action steps to those, to those recommendations, you know, we can say all day long, meet this energy, you know, meet energy needs or, you know, add servings of this or that. Um, but it's really kind of the on the ground every day, step by step that, you know, people need the space to be able to, uh, to be able to actually do that and put those, those recommendations into action. So when you say basic needs, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So I'm thinking energy needs. So food, you know, and, and that's, a big chunk of my job is figuring out um, what your, where your basic needs are and how much energy we need coming in to be able to support your lifestyle and support how active you are. 
Um, and then and, and obviously recover, recover a period because the body is perceiving, you know, that to be too stressful if that's, if that's one of the, one of the areas that we're working with. So that's what I mean by that. Yeah. Now, obviously you work with a quite an array of women from recreational right through to athletes do you find that HA can be pretty common in in both areas or you tend to find it is more towards the athlete side yeah because I feel like I'm in two minds about it it's like athletes generally have a better support team so you'd like to think that they're less likely to get HA but that being said HA is still a pretty new thing and it's only really just becoming a process to go, how can we honor our athletes to prevent this? Right. Um, so right. I'm, I'm really interested what your insight is as to, you know, are both populations just as likely to get it when they take on, you know, a goal to be the best they can, or does it still sort of lean more to one side or the other? Yeah. And I think just even me, being, I'm still relatively new to the space, you know, and, and so like, I, that's been an eye-opening thing for me too, is that, yeah, it's, it's really pervasive in, in both areas. And yes, even with my athletes, we have a sports med team and we have people on board that, you know, should be able to recognize, you know, signs and symptoms and things, but it's still so pervasive in sport that, it's okay to lose the period and it's okay to, you know, especially if we have an endurance athlete or we have, you know, high volume training going on, um, that, yeah, that's okay. That's just part of the process, you know, and it's still shocking to me that that is still the case. Um, but it's true. And, and so often, you know, our, even our sports med MDs, there was still just prescribe, you know, an oral contraceptive mm-hmm. to, to, you know, falsely induce a period. And so then we don't know exactly what those hormones are doing. And, um, and that's still really frustrating. So that's part of my job too, is to educate, you know, the whole team and make sure that we're, we're protecting our female athletes and making sure that they have the support that they need. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, like you had one of my clients on and she has worked with you also, which I, just love. And she was one of the ones that, um, was so interested, like such an interesting case to me because, um, she was totally out of sport, like had no relation to sport at all, was just trying to, um, like be a better version of herself in her mind. You know, that's kind of where it started and started to exercise more and, you know, just slowly decrease some of her caloric intake um, and increased activity. Um, but she was done having children, you know, there was, it it was just such a, such an interesting case. Um, and I think that happens a lot more than, than we even realize that people just start to, um, because it's still so pervasive in culture to over-exercise and under-eat as a female. And you'll, you know, that, that equals the best version of you. Um, you know, that's so wrong and so backwards. Um, and all of the, the, the cascade of, you know, symptoms that happen whenever we start to, when we do that, we over-exercise and under-eat, um, you know, people don't feel good, but everyone on the outside is saying, oh my gosh, okay. you look good, you, you know, all those high praise compliments. Um, and so then it becomes really, really difficult 
for recovery because, oh my gosh, I have to give that up now, you know. Can I ask, sorry, I'm just having issues with the volume there. Um, so obviously, that's always the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> because they, it was interesting how you said, even with the athletes, you know, the, the point of call is to jump on the pill, which is something that we've known for a really long time now. You can doubt the pill is magic and will fix everything, quotation marks, so he's not watching mm -hmm. the video. Um, right. And I guess from a <laughs> practitioner side of things, that would actually make it more difficult for you because now you've seen that there's a problem, you've literally snapped, uh, popped a Band-Aid on it, and even though you're trying to remedy the situation, it's impossible to actually know what's happening, what's working, what's not, until essentially they decide to go off the pill again. Um, I would imagine that would be a tough conversation to have with any woman, whether it be an athlete or a recreational gym goer, is to actually, and I wonder if you have had these sorts of conversations where you do present to them like, you know what, we really need you off the pill so we can actually tell what's going on. It could be great, but it also might not. Do you find that there's a resistance in women to get off the pill and actually explore that side of things or they tend to be quite open to it? Yeah, you know, in, in, in the majority of my conversations, they have been open to it. Um, and I think a lot of that is just credit to more education. Um, and, you know, they, they're going, oh, you know what? I have kind of heard some things about that. Um, I would be open to, to trying to do that. Or, yeah, I've been thinking about that in the past. And I think that's probably the, uh, the best next step for me to do. Um, so I haven't been met with a ton of opposition. Um, but it is, it's a difficult one because, you know, there's even like the body of literature, you know, even around it is, is all very new as far as, you know, um, specifically how the pill even impacts, you know, sport and athletics, um, and, and everything is, is still kind of hazy. There's not like real clear cut, you know, recommendations and things. And so, but just from personal experience, I haven't been met with a ton of opposition, um, especially when you kind of talk about like, we don't know what's happening, but have a lot of good evidence, you know, a, a lot of the time, my female athletes that are, um, you know, that, that are struggling, like they're coming to me because we've had a, a stress fracture or multiple stress fractures, you know, or we have some, um, you know, gut issues where it's just like, things are slow, there's slow motility and things like that, you know? And so those are kind of pointing me to, okay, we probably have, um, a low energy availability. We probably have, don't have enough, quite enough caloric intake happening. Um, and so these are kind of like pointing me to, we're probably not having consistent periods. You know, can you like elaborate on what your period is like, even on the pill, you know? Mm. Um, and then, and so I think that's helpful in having those conversations and why maybe there's not as much opposition. Um, but yeah, shockingly, there hasn't been as much as I would even imagine. Well, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that for one, but I, I also was just thinking, I remember having a few conversations with friends recently about, oh, actually, no, recently, it's probably a year or two ago, just about the pill in general. And for the most of them, they're like, oh gosh, no, I haven't touched that thing in years. Um, yeah. Cause it, it's not a common conversation to have about contraceptives and things like that. It's sort of very much as a, if someone brings it up, everyone jumps on board, but it's a very sporadic. And I found it really comforting to know that there's actually so many women who are either totally off it or if they're on it, as you just described, if someone suggests exploring transitioning off, they're open to the idea. 
rather than what I guess we were led to believe for so long that no, 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 the Mm -hmm. pill is safe. It fixes everything. You know, it's got the magic wand effect. Um, And I guess that's where podcasts and websites and blogs and Instagram is so powerful because it's like, okay, well, our our GPs and gynos and things like that aren't doing the best at getting this information out, but it's starting to sprinkle around anyway. Um, Yeah. And probably opens up more conversation, you know, with those gynecologists and GPs too, that, you know, Hey, I've heard this isn't that, can you, can you help me understand just like the pros and cons of each option, you know, cause for so long, it was just kind of like, this is what you do. You don't really ask questions. You just kind of go with it, you know, yeah. um, but we really weren't aware of some of those side effects and some of the things that can kind of compromise or just make the picture hazy for other practitioners that are trying to help, you know, whatever, if even a recreational athlete all the way up to higher level, you know, cause we're not getting a super clear picture. Um, and then impacting other symptoms, like what are we actually working with? Um, so I think, I think you're right that social media and you know other online platforms have been really helpful and just at, at at minimum opening up that conversation for like for helpful progress. When you work in with other practitioners, whether it be um, sports medicine doctor, um, potentially a gyno or whatever it might be, do you find that there is like everyone is open to the idea of HA being prevalent. Do you find that there's some resistance in that manner? And I only ask because I literally just finished recording a podcast and um, the evidence of HA was put forward and the level of resistance you got from Ergano was pretty much like, no, this isn't a thing. Um, And given you are in the sports field, I mean, I was a gymnast back years and years ago. And as you said at the very start, it was known that we don't get our period. Like yeah. it, it just starts really late. And I never questioned it because everyone around mm-hmm. me said that was normal. And of course, my parents just led with the information that they were given, which is, yeah, yeah, she's a gymnast. She's fine. It'll come when she stops. Da, 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 da. And it did. Sure. It did come when I stopped. Um, but it's really interesting that if you, I guess, are on board with HA and you're aware of it and how to recover versus, and then you've got someone in your team and you're collectively trying to help this person be the healthiest version of themselves and they're kind of dismissing the importance of having a cycle does that conversation ever come up yeah and I mean sure and it kind of depends too on (laughs) how uh robust like your your teams are um and especially being like an outpatient like private practice dietitian then um, like I'll, I go in and I work with certain teams, um, but mostly at like a pretty like moderate, um, diversity level. So I'm not working with like a ton of professional, not, not typically a ton of professional athletes. I'm like, I have a couple here and there, but not mm-hmm. insistent, you know? And then, so like my kind of smaller level university, we don't have a ton of access to like, like I have access to the team maybe like once a week, you know, a couple hours with the sports med doctor once a week, mm-hmm. you know, bring up Very these. Um, and so there hasn't been like a ton of opposition and they are open for sure to hearing, you know, hearing me and to, for me to kind of present the evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the same breath, 
you know, I don't have a ton of experience with like super robust sports med teams at this point. Um, but gosh, I can imagine that just even thinking about, you know, if you've got, if I'm in, I'm in private practice and I'm working with an athlete, um, and it's kind of, I'm trying to reach their GP, you know, and go Mm -hmm. through, go through like that, um, that channel and them being resistant for sure. That, that comes up a lot where it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, well, like this person is not on board with, with what I'm suggesting, or they don't think that this is that, you know, the pill may be interfering or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. that can, that's really hard. And something that like, you know, requires me to like basically present evidence and hope for the best. And then it's really up to the athlete, whether, you know, they want to continue with that practitioner or, or not, you know, if, if whatever. And that'd be so hard for them yeah. too. Hey, cause it's sort yeah. of like, let's say in your heart, you know, that you might need to take a step back from training fuel more. And I'm not saying totally stop training, just take a step back, but you've got someone yeah. say, um, you're the dietitian saying, look, I really think we need this for a little p- short period of time to be optimal performance. And then they've got the, yeah. let's say GP going, no, 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 it's nothing to worry about it. When you so much want to keep life exactly as it is, yeah. Of course, you're going to pick and choose the information. Like we all do it, of course. If someone's yeah. giving us the solution that we want or what's more comforting um, and it just adds to so much, like it, even it just does. turmoil for the person that it's affecting because it's like, oh, yeah. part of me knows I think this one's onto something, but the other part yeah. of me feels so much more comfortable with everything's okay. Yeah, and it's it's hard with because with athletes like, they're a special breed. Like they will give and give and give and push and push and push, you know, and when, and they, and they do, they want, they want things to stay the same so that they can get better and better and better. And there, it's really difficult for it to have that conversation and be like, yeah, but you're going to break. There's going to be a breaking point if we don't do something. And if we aren't aggressive with, you know, with recovery. Um, and then at, you know, in three years, if you can't compete at all, you know, you're, you need to look big picture, don't you? It's like right now it seems yeah. really dramatic, but imagine if something ends your career. Yeah. And that's the, that's the hard thing is like, you know, really high performing athletes that are gunning for big goals, you know, it's hard for, it, it, it's just, it's just difficult for them to, to be able to take a step back and to, you know, n- in their minds, they're, they're like, well, sure, I would give, you know, five years of my life for that, you know, that mm-hmm. goal or medal or whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, as practitioners, we're, we're trying to, to safeguard, like keep them safe and protect them, you know, from their own harm, you know, like, no, we mm-hmm. need to, we need to protect your brain, protect your bro- bones, you know, protect your heart, like every, all, everything, like protect your, your total health. Um, and that's a really difficult conversation. Sure. What would you say your, um, cause you just said like accelerated recovery, what would you sort of break down your accelerated protocol as what would that involve? Mm, that's a good question. And again, I think it's like, it's difficult for every person. Um, but yeah, taking, obviously taking like at so- somehow we have to, we have to pull back a little bit on whatever that training looks like, you know, we've got to pull that back 
and increased needs. Um, and then at the same time, we've got to um, come alongside and really support emotionally. Um, and so, you know, ideally this would be like a team of people, you know, um, and like a dietitian. So making sure that honestly, a dietitian, a physio and a behavior coach, you know, where we could all work together and I'm providing, I'm making sure that dietary needs are met. You know, we have enough fat in the diet and we're kind of consistently, um, working through, cause typically there's barriers on, um, you know, types of foods and things that, that people are comfortable incorporating into the diet and having enough in the diet. Um, and then constantly like meeting that with, um, behavioral, like, okay, well, what, what's the barrier here and what is like keeping us from making, from actually like taking, making progress. And then a physio coming into and being like, okay, the, this is the type of activity that we are comfortable with to be able, like, especially if we're working an athlete that is gunning for a goal, you know, in the next one to three years, like we have to be pretty aggressive, but we also have to make sure that that recovery can actually happen, mm-hmm. you know? And so that dietary needs match whatever training that we're doing, but we have to pull that back and then come alongside with your, um, that's kind of the ideal situation. Yeah, so I guess keeping the idea of an athlete, so we'll say a competitive athlete, so we're not just talking someone who takes their individual training really seriously, but as in they're regularly competing maybe to get a a scholarship for university, maybe like that's actually their job, like they are an athlete. Um, Yeah. And because, I mean, that complicates everything, doesn't it? I mean, uh, a lot of women that I speak to, they have HA and it tends to be, in a place of where they just love health and fitness. Like they love training, they love being their best self. But taking a step back is definitely hard. And I love how at the very start of the chat, you said grief, like cater to grief, because that's what it feels like. Um, But when you've got someone who potentially like their education is relying on their training, their income is relying on their training, that's really complicated because it's like, all right, well, we need to take a step back for long-term benefits but at the same time what does that mean to things that are supporting you right now and I guess where I'm leading to with that is that do you believe or maybe you've experienced like I I don't mind whether you want to go either way with it um, that women can can recover while still participating in sport and obviously not the the degree will different it will be different because you've got some women where it's like you know what sorry but we've got to pull it right back and you'll you're stuck doing drills low heart rate um yeah. low duration those sorts of things or you might have someone that can still keep in a little bit of running like the, the capacity is different um yeah well and I think too that kind of depends on you know what type of person are we working with because we know that I mean HA can happen outside of and you know a full-blown like eating disorder um but if we are dealing with an eating disorder alongside HA, you know, at that point, it's going to be really important to like probably pull all the way, like pull out completely, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it's, it's not safe. Um, but with other forms, we can just, you know, what really is kind of the stressor that's, that's pushing them over the edge, you know? So can we pull back and then we, can we work on work through life stressors, you know, making sure we have enough caloric intake, 
Um, and, and then slowly add in more activity, but increase caloric intake at the same time. Maybe we overshoot that a bit so that we, um, especially if we are like, you know, early in a season and we kind of, we kind of play around. I do that a lot with like, especially my athletes that are coming in, um, you know, back into school and they lose their period while they're on campus. Um, and it happens here, you know, and, but when they go home, it, it's okay. Bad. And so I'm, I'm saying, okay, well, let's, let's think about this. Like we have that extra layer of like lifestyle stress that you don't have at home. That's probably just, and, and you're already kind of, you're, you're prone mm -hmm. to losing the period. And so, um, you know, maybe we overshoot calories just a bit. And then we kind of, we, we ramp that up just a little bit also whenever training increases and we're in season because, you know, you're having to compete, you're having to make grades, um, you're having to be, you know, your schedule is tight. You may have a job, you know, all of these different things thinking, you know, you're dating, you have social life, whatever. And there's all the, and then that, like the body is just perceiving that as too much. And so mm -hmm. like, when we come in and say, okay, you know, we have strict, strict bedtimes or we have strict, you know, routines where we kind of like make sure that we have all these other, um, you know, even lifestyle, um, activities to, to cushion, you know, and, and hopefully just it's trial and error to figure out what will work. Um, but recovering the period and maintaining the period, even in stressful, you know, environments is our main goal. And so how do we do that? And yeah. obviously different for everyone. That's really interesting what you said about um, when they're on campus, their cycle goes MIA. And then when they're home, it comes back again. Because I, I would imagine so if you look often. at that over like a long period of time, even though it's not normal, it's still, you can see a pattern there. So it's like, okay, well, there's a, a fair bit of emotional stress that's actually causing the cycle to go MIA. So then in that situation, yeah. it's like, all right, we're focusing on nutrition, but we're also focusing on just general stress relief. Cause like you said, there's so much going yeah. on study, training, work, relationships. Right. And I think too, about, especially my girls that are young, you know, and they, they're coming to school and they're kind of learning how to figure all this out. And this is kind of maybe the first time that they've had this environmental stress kind of placed on them at a higher level. That's not going away. You know, mm. these are just like, you know, things that we have to learn to be able to cope with life. This is, this is something that's helpful for them for the rest of their life. So this isn't, you know, we have a motivator for right now, but also this is helpful for them. That's a life forward. skill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it because it's like, all right, well, it's one thing too. When I'm at home, I don't get my cycle, just continue on that one. But at some point you're going to go to work or yeah. you're going to be faced with, you know, crisis with family or financials or something like that. Like if there's one thing we know is that there is stress is coming. And yeah. as you and said, it's like how well can we cope? Well, yeah. that's right, isn't it? It's like that, that person. And they're going to keep training. A high achievers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I love that you brought that to the forefront. It's like, all right, well, we can predict that it's going to go missing and it's going to come back, but that's not really enough, is it? Because it's like the campus is just going to be replaced with something else as soon as they're not on campus anymore. So yep. really biting the bullet and working out as to how to regulate emotions plays such yeah. a massive role. And I think that's something that tends to get swept under the rug is yeah, that there's sure. such a focus on reducing exercise and eating more. But sometimes, and perhaps you've experienced this too, it's like all the stress that that woman is experiencing from the changes 
kind of makes things worse, which is where you sort of said earlier on that it's a very like step-by-step process, assessing what they're ready to change, what they're not ready to change so that you can kind of minimize that emotional stress as much as possible. Because if you go in guns blazing, the emotional stress of it might actually backfire on you anyway. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, it's so much easier to kind of project a lot of that physical, you know, anxiety or stress or, or, you know, not physical, but project all that anxiety and stress onto something physical. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like restricting the calories or over exercising or whatever. Um, And so just helping them understand like that, that's what they're doing, you know, and, and, and then coming alongside and being like, okay, how can we change that? And how, where, what are some healthier ways that we can manage this stress um, that will not go away? You know, it'll be Mm -hmm. just managed in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. And can I ask, because you obviously you see, you know, from recreational through the athlete and we all like to go to Google, find out what the best diet is, how to be a healthier (laughs) self, how to improve performance and oh gosh, it's a whole whole other world out there, isn't there? It's like, well, you can it do fasting, you can do keto, you can do all sorts of things. And back in my bodybuilding heyday, it was very much like fasted cardio in the morning, super right. low carb, minimal fat, just like protein, 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 and be careful of fruit because it's got sugar. Like oh, that. Yes. <laughs> there you have the apple. Um, <laughs> but I, I wonder what, what do you see sort of come to you from, you know, any your general client base, do you find that Mm -hmm. people still lean towards generally low calorie, low carbohydrate, or do you find like intermittent fasting is really popular? Because I don't know, diets, they're almost, um, they have their crazes, don't they? It's like one minute intermittent fasting so popular and it's the solution and then it's keto and then it's paleo. And and it's like, well, if they all worked that well, we wouldn't keep needing new ones. You'd just be able to, yeah, right. <laughs> like that, that's kind of the problem that we have phases. But I'm, yeah. I wonder what's, what, what kind of things do your clients come to you with? Because, yeah. you know, you would see quite a few different people and I'm sure they're on Google just as much as anybody else. Yes, a thousand percent. And, you know, with a lot of those, you know, initially you are going to see, you're going to see the kind of the results that you're hoping for, you know, you're going to drop a little and you're going to feel better and you always are going to perform a little bit better in that, that, you know, kind of honeymoon phase, that first window of time. And so that's kind of hooks you Mm -hmm. and you say, and then this cascade of awful, you know, awful things start to happen. Then you're like, Oh, wait a minute, but it can't be that because I, I was, I'm performing, you know, whatever Yeah. Yeah. you can kind of couch it in. Oh, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, a hundred percent, especially with like my middle-aged female clients, um, that, you know, maybe have like the kids are getting older, they've taken, they've always exercised, but now they're like, oh, I can like do a half, a half marathon, or I can do a marathon. I have more time. Um, that clientele is very much still, you know, low calorie fasted cardio in the morning low, low rate. Um, and then the rest of the day is kind of like, well, I just don't have time. Like I'm busy Mm -hmm. things to do. I have, you know, kids are in high school. I need to like be everywhere. I don't have time to make anything. I'm just like grab, you know, 
a random Lara bar and then I'm good for the day. And then I'm not really hungry in the evening. So I, I might have a couple bites of salad and then I'm good to go. Yeah. It's kind of, I shouldn't eat if I'm hungry, right? Yeah. And oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I had, you know, I, you know, maybe, maybe they actually ate a meal earlier in the day. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had a meal. I'm like, I'm fine for three days, whatever. <laughs> um, so that's definitely the majority of that, that clientele. Um, with my younger athletes, like in the university setting, um, obviously it depends on like, you know, what sport they're in, but for sure, my endurance people are like, okay, how do I tap into that fat adaptation? You know, how do I, how do I become a better fat adapted endurance athlete? Um, and, and so some of that can kind of, you know, lean keto for sure. Um, then just my, you know, just younger, younger, you know, not necessarily mm-hmm. athlete active population. Um, definitely lots of intermittent fasting, um, intermittent fasting and keto are probably still some of the two biggest, if they're not doing it, then they're definitely coming to me and being like, I've heard that that's good. It's not good. <laughs> that kind of thing. Good um, impression. But yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, especially because like the two you rattled off there as well, intermittent fasting and keto, we know are like key players in HA. So even if they're Mm -hmm. not even trying to lose weight, they're just trying to be healthy because that's what Mm -hmm. they've read. I need to do intermittent fasting. Um, And I actually just in passing, because food comes up so much in conversation, whether you're in sort of the HA world or dietetics world, like just generally people always tend to comment like, oh gosh, I need to lose a little bit of weight or gosh, you know, my belly's getting a bit heavy since these lockdowns or like there's, there's always passing comments. And I find it really interesting that um, people tend to say with so much certainty, and I'm not saying this in a critical way, purely observation, what they need to do to, to correct it. And, you know, the intermittent fasting, low carb, keto is always the one. And I always sort of, want to question them but it's not the appropriate time like what makes you believe that like have you spoken Mm -hmm. to a dietitian have you spoken to a nutritionist have you spoken to your gp um like who told you because one google is just a random search it's got no consideration for your lifestyle um your prior health conditions your current health conditions your mental health state all those sorts of things that play such a important part and right. it's it's so easy to say this will work and people don't question it enough. Like, but how no. well will it work for me? But, and um, it but they say it so cert- like with so much certainty, like, oh, I just need to get a minute fast and I'll, I'll be good. That's like, oh, yeah. That. And there there is no consideration typically for like the, the harmful aspect of it, you know, like is like, what is the kind of cost benefit ratio mm-hmm. of and is it necessary you know we haven't really like talked that out um and if that is even something that's appropriate for them it may not be you know yeah Um, I think especially for females I try to talk about this a lot or you know it's just like we are we are there everything runs on feedback loops and we're so much more sensitive to lower energy and lower carbohydrate we are built that way and so our feedback loops are going to like sound the alarms when it's perceived to not be enough, you know, and start down-regulating all these other body processes. Um, 
And like, we, those are warning signs, like, you know, the lights are starting to dim and we, we need to take notice of that. And so, yeah, it's like, let's have that conversation first mm-hmm. before checking in. Um, but yeah, everything is all is typically comes back to, I just need to, you know, I need to lose this weight. I need to look a certain way or, or, you know, I'm starting to exercise a little bit more and I'm getting some, you know, these kind of physical changes that I'm hoping for. Let's take it a step further. Let's go, let's add in intermittent fasting because then that'll mm-hmm. pull weight faster yeah. and I'll get, you know, the, the result or whatever. Um, but whenever you were talking about Google, that makes me think of like the meme that says, um, whatever, whenever you're Googling your symptoms and, and like into the search engine, it's just whatever comes up, that's the, the highest search engine optimization, you know, feel <laughs> yeah. that has nothing to do with you. <laughs> it's just, it's just whatever has really good SEO. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah. And yeah, I could laugh about it because, you know, and we're all guilty of it too. I mean, it doesn't even have to be about food or training. It could just be like, I don't know, my child has an rash on their elbow and the doctor's appointments tomorrow can I diagnose it before tomorrow and she's dying she <laughs> is dying like it, every time doesn't matter what it is oh, that's oh and it's so dramatic too isn't it and it gives you worst case scenario it's oh it's such a rabbit hole I remember I, I put the pin in google a while ago to to not go down that route um <laughs> Now, so we've sort of spoken about how, I guess it's quite easy to fall into HA when you have the idea that in order to, to train better and perform better, I need to be leaner. Because I guess that's a, that's a common rule as well. It's like leanness equals performance, which we know isn't mm-hmm. true. Like some, there, there's definitely a threshold where it can help yeah. to not be carrying excess weight. But depending on the individual, like some people can have full capacity and be really lean and like yeah. their body can cope and others need more body fat like it's just their own unique system um do you find oh I guess if you've got someone coming to you saying that you they they want to increase their training and they want to lose weight because we tend to jump to adding all the training and diet at the same time so no matter what we've got a really big deficit straight away um I guess hypothetical everyday woman starts training at the gym four days a week, might have a personal trainer, a little bit of strength, a little bit of cardio. How would she protect her hormones? And like, and I, and I know this is so general, so I don't want to make it uncomfortable for you. And I'm just trying to work out the best way to do it. But, you know, sure. is, is it the best way to sort of tidy up the diet straight away? Is it the mm. best to keep the diet the same for a little bit while you've increased training and then start mm. doing tweaks? Because we all jump to let's do everything at once because you see that little bit right. of change and it's like, yeah, go, 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 go. Yeah. And I, I agree with you in that, like, I, I'm always a proponent of sustainability and like, how can we do this for the long term? Mm. And so, of course, I'm going to be supportive of making small shifts in the diet, you know, and they're thinking about your everyday, you know, three meals a day. Okay. We can probably add in a little bit, you know, more complex carbohydrate to the, to the plate, you know, or we can maybe swap out some types of fat and add in more unsaturated types of fat, you know, like I don't think there's any, any harm in, in doing that. And I think as far as like protection goes, just like being mindful of whenever you're starting a new, something new, 
Um, like there's going to be, you know, that time of adaptation, that time that is going to be a little bit, the, it's going to be harder for the body. Like you're, you're, everything is new. And so um, I think just getting into the habit of supporting that with your food um, can be, is not going to be harmful for anyone, you know? Mm -hmm. So like just practicing, like not going into, into things fasted, um, especially as women, like, you know, having more complex carbohydrates at meals, but then as you get closer to training, you know, have a, a, a more easily digestible carbohydrate that's, you would probably deem as the, un, an unhealthy version <laughs> thing that's more simpler, yeah. um, and isn't going to take a long time to be digested. Um, and practice that, you know, in the hour before you go into training, like, have a simple carbohydrate in that sometime in that hour and just kind of like, see how you perform. Like, are you actually able to get something out of the training and support the adaptation that you're going for, you know, whatever that may be, whatever the goal is. Um, but kind of, instead of that restriction mindset, like flipping that on its head and, and thinking abundantly and like, okay, I want to be supportive and I want my body to perform at its best. I can't do that by cutting everything out and mm -hmm. I might see really fast results, but that's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in, in, you know, in hopes of protecting the hormones is like practicing, practicing going into, into things well fueled, well hydrated. Um, and then even coming out of that, you know, practicing refueling and rehydrating, um, depending on your needs yeah. and, and what the, what it is. But yeah, I think that goes a long way. I love how you said practice it, because I know that's something that I, I talk to my clients about on the mindset side of things when it comes to creating new behaviors, because, you know, we're not going to love it straight away. It could feel like, and that could just be because it's different and we're so used to an old way. So any kind of difference feels weird and uncomfortable. But if we can literally put it into practice, you create a space to explore. And it's like, we're not saying you're going to do this till the end of time. We're just saying, try it, give it a go. And I guess all that popped up into my head, as you said that as well, is um, throughout all my different dieting phases, because I did do all the different things. Um, you know, the first time intermittent fasting was one of my last ones before I mm -hmm. got my act together. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I remember like I would train first thing in the morning, like 5am and I'd train again at midday and then potentially I'd train mm. in the afternoon. So I was a PT at a gym, oh. so I could train whenever I wanted. And okay. so, and then I was obviously picking up weights all throughout the day as well to help my clients. But, um, there was a time where I'd have my oats before I trained and then I'd train in the morning and then I'd have say protein shake afterwards and then I'd have my six small meals. So there was a whole lot of food sprinkled. It was still super yeah. low calorie overall because I start my whole journey started with a bodybuilding comp, but yeah. it was yeah. the focus was always like eat regularly, be fueled. Over time, things got morphed and manipulated and all that kind of jazz. And I ended up yeah. in the world of intermittent fasting. And I remember I literally jumped straight into, I'm not going to eat till 3 p.m. All right. So I've gone Oof. from having my first meal. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've yeah. gone from eating at, say, 4.30 a.m. So I could be at the gym by 5 to not eating till 3. And I've been up since 4 a.m. Because that's the time I used to get up. 
And I remember the first few weeks and I'm, when it comes to nutrition at that point in time, I was so stubborn. Like once I made up my mind about something, that was it. And I would, and I, but I would have had black coffee leading up to that 3 PM. So I was just like all cortisol. I know that now at the time I thought I was just high on life. Um, (laughs) So funny. Um, But I remember the first, I'm going to say two weeks I remember getting to three o'clock and I felt dizzy and borderline passing out. Like I felt awful, but I was keen to stick to it. And then all of a sudden my body must've just recognized, well, she's not going to feed me. I'm just going to stop giving her all these signs because I I stopped feeling all of that. And I could get to three o'clock and I'd eat and I'd eat till sprinkles of food until maybe nine o'clock at night. And then, you know, I just do it all again. And then I started to love that way of living. Like I love my stomach feeling Mm. empty. My eyes are like beaming all the time. My senses are heightened. I'm training really good. But the first few weeks I felt like shit. Like I felt awful. And I guess where I'm leading with that is when I started breaking the fasting again, because it's like, well, you're not going (laughs) to enough of that new cycle, new phase, new hip thing is I'm going to feel before training again. And the same thing happened. I felt disgusting for two weeks. I was bloated and heavy and, um, and it was awful until again, my body goes, Oh, this is what we're doing now. I'll catch up. And just linking that back into what you said about practicing these new behaviors, because any kind of change, yes, it can make us feel great at the start, but it can also make us feel really crappy until we adapt. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Um, man, and what a what a journey and what a story because um, that just is like testament to yeah consistency and and putting the work in. And you're right, like those can all be perceived as positive changes. Absolutely. Which, like at that point in time, it was like stick it out because it'll work. Because I chose to believe that. And I imagine everyone faces that throughout their food choices. It's like, no, I'm just going to stick out the low calorie for a little bit because then I'll I'll be, I'll cope with it. And it's true. Like for the most part, your body gets accustomed to it. Doesn't mean it's a good thing though. It can be, but that awareness is so important. It's so important. And a lot of times it really need, you know, it requires someone to kind of come alongside you a lot of the time because whenever you know, especially with really highly active people, if they, you know, if we are consistently in a a state of low energy and there's not enough energy, you know, available, then obviously that's going to create more rigidity in the mind and, Mm -hmm. you know, literally can shrink the brain, you know? And so it's like, it becomes very difficult to be able to recognize these, these negative impacts, you know, without someone coming alongside and saying, no, 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 like really let's take a look at this. Like, let's put these before and after side by side, you know, and like, do you have, do you really have capacity for this social life that you're saying that you're wanting? Or, you know, do you really want to be relying on caffeine and being jittery and crazy, you know, until this certain time, you know, and then like, if we have other data, like DEXA scans or whatever, or or bloods or whatever, you know, like look at some of these other factors and like, is this really where your body is happy and where you are happy? You know, mm-hmm. are you are you feeling fulfilled and satisfied with this lifestyle 
and can this be sustained? You know, where do you really want your life to be? And is this going to, you know, is this, is this, is this able to like line up with your values as a person? I really like how you structure questions and I can tell that you work with people with eating disorders by the way you say things <laughs> because like I because I, the way how you said do you um what was it do you have the capacity to have the social life that you want and you know when you're in the midst of an eating disorder I remember that feeling and so many women I talk yeah. to say the same yeah. thing where it's like I just want to go out and I want to have fun but either a the anxiety attached to eating out is too much so they stay home or B, yeah. by the time they get to the end of the day, they're too exhausted. Like I can't possibly yeah. go out. I'm too tired. And just th- you just worded it so beautifully. It's like, well, do you have the capacity right now? And those two responses to not being able to be social has got nothing to do with time or not having a social group mm-hmm. or not having anywhere to go. It's purely like, well, your, your restrictions are preventing you from being social. So you, therefore you've got no capacity or your energy is just way too low to allow you to be social because there's nothing left so what can we do so that you have the capacity to go out and have fun like what does life look like having energy and how can we get there yep 100 percent the social life really tends to be um i guess a standout point for like everybody because it's the the anxiety attached to somebody else cooking your food or preparing your food and that Mm -hmm. distrust that's there and I think that's a it's a really important marker for people to recognize regardless of HA because diet culture has sort of led us into a place of believing that if you're apprehensive about eating out it's just because you're health conscious Mm. and I 100% could be wrong but I truly believe that if you are comfortable with food, you should be able to go out and have a spontaneous meal. And it is nothing but a spontaneous meal. Like there, there's yeah. no emotional attachment as I've ruined anything. I can't, I, it's just, it just is. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about, you know, as you kind of compare children, you know, and, and the way that they eat and regulate what they eat and they have just a very, like natural, you know, eyes wide open, like exploration type curiosity with, with food, you know, in, in, in like an ideal situation. Um, and they have, they're able to, to regulate what they, based on the offerings, you know, they can regulate how much and what, and, um, and it's really a beautiful thing. And then, you know, as life progresses and we start to, you know, we have all these different environmental factors that come into play and, yeah. you know, lots of those feedback loops, the, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, like good oh, choice, bad choice, too big, yeah. too small. You're hungry again. Why aren't you hungry? It's like, there's yeah. so much feedback to navigate when, when you're little and cause I, I know you've got three children and one of them's only 18 months. My daughter's going to be two in January and oh, don't wrong, I for the most part. Hear mine right now. <laughs> oh, I've heard the pups. I haven't heard the babies yet, but I'd love to. <laughs> um, for them, like I've been pretty healed from my eating disorders for quite some time. But that being said, watching her learn to eat has been like another level of healing because I watch yeah. so easy it is for her to just be like. I'm going to have a little bit. I'm going to have a lot or even half an hour after she finished something, she'll, she does like a hand gesture like this. I'm hungry yeah. mm-hmm. and she's just yeah. hungry again. And 
as an adult, if we had lunch and then 20 minutes later went, oh, I'm hungry again, you'd be like, oh, but you just had lunch. Like you probably shouldn't be hungry. And you, yeah. you have all that from everything you've been exposed to over a long period of time, regardless of whether you've dieted or not. It doesn't even matter. By the time you're in your 20s, you're generally yeah. questioning your hunger just yeah. because. And yeah. I, I love watching her just tell me that she's hungry. And then sometimes yeah. she'll literally have two bites and it's like, oh, that's all I needed. Sometimes yeah. she'll have a full serve. And yeah. it's, it's, it is really beautiful to see how easy it is for them to pick and choose food. And they're so yes. wise to it as well. Like they're really wise they to portion to, because there's times where, and I wonder if you do it with your kids too, like you might have some fruit and then some veggies or pasta or whatever, but then you might have like, say a little chocolate on the side. Yeah. Right? Because we know it's chocolate and it's like, oh, that's a sweet. She doesn't. She's just, she knows it's tasty. That's about it. And yeah. sometimes, yes, she'll eat that first. Absolutely. But other times she'll sit there chowing down fruit and not even go near yeah. it because it's just yep. food. Like there's no... Yep. Um, there's no rule attached, there's no judgment attached. And over time, we just get exposed to rules or demonizing certain things. And um, it's yeah, funny how by trying to perfect it, we've actually kind of broken the system. The I perfect totally system. And you're, and I think it's such a, a, an amazing privilege bringing up the next generation. Like, you know, I think we know a lot more now and I think there's a lot more education on feeding children and, and how to do that well and wisely, um, which I'm so grateful for, but it's just such a, it feels heavy to me, especially with bringing up girls. And I, I know you feel this way too. Like um, you just want to protect that. You want to protect their, um, them being able to internally regulate and, protect them from the outside like demonization of food and body because yeah, it's coming like that's that's the worst thing it's like oh at earlier ages you, you can't escape it and especially with internet and social media and things like that I mean we're similar ages and we only really had magazines and tv sure. and yet we still had that exposure where highly likely they're going to have a pocket with a phone with our famous Dr. Google and yeah. all the fat, oh no. <laughs> Just in their faces all the time. But it's like, you know, and I, I was reminded too of this in one of my supervision groups is like, you know, we get to, you know, we, we like have the opportunity to provide these safe environments um, like for them and help them to have a safe place to like talk out these anxieties and these stressors so that they can more easily regulate and not you know manifest these onto physical like you know but we cannot control I'm not saying that that we could ever control like facilitate an environment where they can make educated decisions yeah and where they feel safe to do that and Mm. like we just really a really awesome opportunity to be able to do that like with our own and because I feel a, quite a bit of pressure you know as a dietitian and I'm working with this population I'm raising girls you know and then there I can't protect them from everything but what I can do is I can 
have a safe environment, I can provide healthy food for them and say, you know, this is what is offered and you have the choice of how much and what. Um, and then, you know, from the outside, what, but, okay, let's talk about it. Like, what are you being exposed to? What, like at school or, you know, in peer groups, what's coming out? And <clears throat> we even, like my oldest is only eight and we've had several conversations where she's like, oh, that's not healthy or, oh, that is healthy or, oh, you know, and I said, they parrot know, things. Hey, like um, they hear certain yeah. comments and, it, and they're right. saying it without actually meaning anything. They're just copycatting, but at some point they're going to believe it. Yeah. 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 And so, okay, let's dig into that. Like, what do you mean? That's interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, where'd you hear that? And what was the context? And, um, are you, what are you feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, I think that's a really beautiful opportunity and a weighty potential right there for as we're raising raising kiddos in this yeah. this environment. It's you're right, like it's going to be in their face all the time. Mm. But I, I like how you sort of explore it with your daughter as well. It's not just no, you're being silly. That's healthy. It's like why do, why do you think that? Where did you hear it? Um, yeah, I'm not saying that. <laughs> because <laughs> it's so hard for them to comprehend and I've heard it from other mothers you know just just in general circles when I competed with years ago and stuff and they'll come back and they're oh, I think she was six she goes mommy I'm going on a diet and she's like oh and when she questioned her about it she didn't even know what a diet meant like she mm -hmm. she didn't know but her best friend has an older sister who was like 16 and started saying I'm going on a diet and she's got to nutrible it out and juicing and the little sisters watching her big sister be like well that's what cool girls do and yep. she just started copying language but and like don't get me wrong I know it's innocent in the way that she didn't know what she was saying but if you've right. got a child sort of saying I'm going on a diet I'm going on a diet I'm going on a diet then they learn that that's how they live they live on a diet and then like yeah. everything builds around behavior. it yeah yeah and they copy behaviors without knowing any better so you're right it's like we've got this amazing capacity to actually make change and allow them to feel supported to make good choices if we you know keep the book wide open and just are willing to explore rather than shutting things down it's like have the conversations keep the awareness um I actually love that you you brought that to the forefront because so many women on here are trying to recover their periods so that they can fall pregnant and it's like well then you have your children and boys or girls either way because I mean that's probably a whole other podcast isn't it is that men have eating disorders just as much as women but we tend to be more open about it because it affects our fertility where yeah you know, men have got a whole different system, but, um, you know, back in my bodybuilding days, the men had just as many eating disorders as the females restrictions, yeah. weighing everything can't be too fat, can't not gaining enough mass, like a right. very obsessive must have the protein can't be catabolic. It's yep. yeah. But they kind of get swept into a, yeah, you're just sort of a manly man doing your thing. Good job. Yeah. That's like, well, right. they're having a hard time too. They might look great and say they look great, but so do we, you know? Yeah. And they, you're right. Like, and they have, they can get away with a little bit more than we can as far as like negative consequences, you know? Mm. And yeah. Well, cause we get symptoms. our back against the wall. Like I know I would have continued on my behaviors forever unless I decided I sure. wanted my period back to have a child. I would, cause I was happy. 
Like I'm definitely yeah. happier now, but I was still super happy back then. Nothing mm-hmm. where I thought I was missing out on life. But without that, yeah. that missing period is a catalyst for change. There was right. no need, like everything was good. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that becomes an even more difficult conversation with, with males. Cause it's like, well, what's the motivator? Mm. You know, it's hard to convince them that there will be a breaking point and that there, you know, things will break down. The wheels will come loose at some point um, yeah. in the moment, you know, that doesn't really matter. It's not, it's just difficult. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's a tricky one. And maybe the, and obviously not demonizing anything, like everyone's got their choices, but I find it an interesting conversation around how there's so many similarities between the sexes, but the, Mm -hmm. in regards to that diet culture, like there's so many differences between us in real life, but like biologically, but when it comes to diets and health and fitness obsession, or even athletic performance obsession, it's very much the same. Um, but it's just like anything, it's easy to mask a problem if it looks fit. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with athletes, like I said, they'll, you know, they would, they would trade years off of their life for, for goals and medals. And so Mm. it's very, you know, to have, to, to think about stepping back or pulling back in any way um, when there's not like an immediate motivator. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I feel like I've got so many more questions for you, especially on the athlete front, because then, and I am going to wrap things up because I know we're limited for time, but um, it just made me think on the identity crisis side of things. So gender doesn't even matter in this circumstance, but when someone's been wanting to Mm -hmm. get the gold, to get the first place, to get the time or whatever for so long, and then they do, they're just as lost as they've ever been in their life because that's all they've searched for. And then they've gotten it and it's like, oh, I felt great for that 24 hours, but I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want. Like I, mm-hmm. I did the best thing. Yeah. I've, I've, I've topped out. Yeah. Now we're here. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a huge. And I love some of those. There's even like a whole Instagram accounts dedicated to that population of people. Cause it's like, who am I? Mm. And then I've always, you know, had kind of this external, um, motivator, whatever the word is to like, make me feel whole, you know, I'm probably going to be reaching for other, other ways to feel that again, you know, and, and a lot of times that happens through restriction or mm-hmm. maybe so that they can hold on to, is it just like trying to control something, you know, and we all do that. Like we, we all it's so like it's human like it's so human (laughs) it is and so and that's why I love like that there are professionals and and people out there to like come alongside us and help us and just be able to point out when you know our thought processes our thought processes are skewed or just Mm. not aligning with what you know what really matters to us um when we can't see it I love that we can we can part like people, we can partner with people to be able to, um, you know, to really feel that fulfillment and satisfaction with, with our life. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I guess taking ownership of knowing that something's off and being willing to ask for help is so important. 
because it's yeah. so easy to take ownership and go, no, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. And yes, sometimes you can. Absolutely, you can. But if it's a teething issue that's not going away anytime soon, you know, help is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, it is. You're right. Speaking of help, if anyone has listened to this episode and wants to reach out and connect with you, where is the best place to find you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at at Krista Smith Nutrition. Um, And then I also have a website. It's kristasmithnutrition.com. I'm just starting like all of the content and blog and that kind of thing. Um, It's a lot of work, hey? So it's much a to lot do. of work. It's oh like it's so word. fun. I can't wait to do it. And you got all the ideas in your head, and then you get to your keyboard, yes. and you're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah. Like today, I had my first um, keyword search, so oh. I'll be content from. So I'm learning all of that fun stuff. Good on you. Good because I can. Exciting. I want to, yeah, be able to be more supportive to my community and. Yeah, that's awesome. Good content. Well, listeners, at least if you can get in early, you can be there for the whole building and development. Very exciting. Now, I will link all those details in the show notes. And um, once again, thank you so, so much for your time and for this wonderful conversation. I'm so glad we had the opportunity to connect and, and have a really good chat. Um, And as always, guys, if you're listening or watching, please like, subscribe, comment, or share this episode with your friends. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jade. I appreciate your time. The best. Thank you.